Welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host. Now you listen to me, mister. I work for a living, and I mean real work, not writing down gobbledygook. Michael Preston. Welcome back to the Kook Center Podcast. This is podcast number two this week, and for the second time this week, I have no time to screw around. See, normally I would just sit here and pontificate just really stupid stuff, and you wouldn't listen to me for about five minutes. But nope, we got to get straight to the topic again. Back in here is our recruiting guru, Mr. Kyle Rancourt. Kyle, you finally got some sleep on Wednesday night after getting up at 4 a.m. That's like beyond the crack. You can't even see the crack of dawn from that time, can you? No, it's still dark. Yeah, so I mean, this is like the the sunrise's underwear is completely covering its butt crack at this point. No plumber's crack, you can't even see it. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, it's, yeah, might have to get up at noon again. That's cool. I see. That's much better now, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. And 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 you'll all be happy to know Kyle finally got a little rest last night after being up for God knows how long just to just to help us out at Kook Center. So. Uh, first thing I want to go over, uh, Kyle, is uh, unlike the last couple of years, uh, not really a big surprise with this. It all went relatively smoothly on Wednesday. We'll get to the part that didn't here in a little bit. But uh, everything pretty much went like we thought it would, everything going relatively smoothly. So, you know, that's that's going to make uh, your job a little easier from that standpoint. But also, you know, maybe a little confidence in this coaching staff that everything that we thought would happen did happen, right? Yeah, it uh, it certainly makes makes things go a lot more smoothly on our end when we're trying to write up the stories about who's committing and when they fax in their letter of intent. That way, we don't have to scramble and who is this kid that's sending in his letter of intent? That was the big surprise. It was the CJ Mizell that came out of, of left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, the, the the kid out of left field was Marcellus Pippins, but we already kind of knew about him mm-hmm. in advance, so it was less of a surprise and so it was it was good that everything went to plan this year that was it was it was nice a lot of confidence in Leach Mm -hmm. so and so and that's what it really does you know the guy pretty much goes out gets what he needs it's not like but you know I mean it's a good surprise if someone better were to commit it's a bad surprise if one of your key commits goes away and of course we go to talking about Tyler Brugman about that now he didn't he didn't end up leaving but it was a very convoluted day on Wednesday just in terms of the information we were getting um, just just walk me through uh, for those who may not know, those who didn't follow. I'm sure there aren't too many people, but just you know, kind of walk us through a little bit on what happened on Wednesday. It all started with his trip to Austin and a bit of an accident on the airplane, if I recall correctly. <laughs> he was in Austin this weekend, this past week, and on the plane, somebody threw up on him. <laughs> there are air sickness <laughs> bags in those seat pockets, people. Just to let you know from now on. Really gross. So he he got sick because of that, and he went home. Um, and first of all, that was the first we were hearing about it was during signing day, and um, so he he wasn't where he was supposed to be because he was sick, and so there was confusion there. But it all started in the morning when uh, four-star quarterback Joshua Dobbs, he's a quarterback out of Georgia, he had verbally committed to Arizona State. He was kind of there. Brugman and Dobbs were there one in one A. Uh, Rudman committed to WSU first, but it was very heavily implied that Dobbs was going to um, uh, going to commit to Arizona State before Rudman would have. Either way, so mm-hmm. I think that also played into it. But Rudman chose us. Then later that day, Dobbs chose Arizona State. Everybody thought that was good. Signing day, 
uh, Dobbs flipped to Tennessee. So now Arizona State's got a quarterback. So they have all the kids that have already committed. In fact, I know letters of intent texting yeah. and calling Brunman saying, hey, man, we need you. Now, if I recall – yeah, if I remember right, this was going to be if if they didn't pick up a quarterback, this was going to be their second straight class without a quarterback, right? So that's why they were so concerned. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's it's easy for us to say, "Oh man, come on, you already committed to us." But if it was flipped around and he had committed to to ASU, but he was from let's say he's from Bellevue, um, you want to stay in state if at all possible and go to one of the bigger schools in state. So it was he grew up wanting to be a Sun Devil. And it's closer to home, obviously, than Pullman. Mm-hmm. So the allure of playing in front of family is, is uh, pretty tough to turn down. But at the end of the day, he stuck with his commitment. He said he was 51-49 in favor of WC, but I'm absolutely okay with that. Yeah. As long as he's, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and he had talked about also, you know, what had come out was that, you know, maybe his mom was trying to, you know, say, you know, I'd like you to stay a little closer to home. And, and you know, in, in terms of for all the reasons a kid could change his mind, to, you know, say not go to WSU and go to ASU in this case, or it could be any other switch like that, that's a pretty good reason. When your parent tells you, you know, we want you to stay a little closer to home, and, you know, any 17-year-old boy is going to listen to his mother in that case. You know, if your mom's pleading with you, you know, honey, I'd really love for you to stay home, you're going to listen to her, and it's it's just going to create a really stressful situation for you. So, I, I you know, I, I think all of us would agree we don't really blame him for taking his time on Wednesday with that. No, and see, and I think the stuff with his mom kind of got blown out of proportion. I think it was when somebody was asking, well, what do you want? She's like, well, I would obviously rather him stay closer to home, and they kind of ran with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously all parents would like their kids to stay closer rather than go across the country to a different school. Sure. Um, I'm not sure it was, we want you to stay home, and we're going to be mad if you weren't. It was just, well, we okay. obviously all things equal would rather you stay home. But um, I also think that it's, 17-year-old kid, and you're like, yeah, I'm fine going across the country or going 1,500 miles away um, when you're around all your friends. And then finally comes, and you realize, well, this is the last time I'm going to see everybody. And Brian mm-hmm. was tweeting at Brian Floyd, was tweeting, tweeting it that day, like, oh, man, this is really hitting me, and I'm not going to see you guys ever again. And it's, I remember being 17. You remember being 17. Yep. How, yeah, it, stuff just happens. And he had some conflict there, but then he realized that he, Well, you know, I, I always bring up this point, and it's that when I was 17 years old, I barely knew what I wanted to go get at lunchtime. When they opened up campus for the seniors, I barely knew. I would, you know, it was normally in my car driving into Woodenville from the high school when I finally decided what I wanted to get for lunch. I barely knew what college I even wanted to go to before I signed my little commitment letter to WSU and paid my tuition deposit or whatever it was. So I, I, I don't blame these kids for taking their time at all. And, you know, it creates a couple of hours of stress for us because, you know, like we, we talked about earlier is Brugman was such a great com- – or he is such a great commit. He's, you know, a uh, higher star ranking than somebody we've seen roll through WSU in quite some time, and he's got a lot of potential, so that's why we were so anxious. But uh, um, so, you know, it's, it's just something that we got to take our time and sweat out sometimes. But it's a good thing that we're having to sweat it out with someone this good, right? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. We're not – we're not waiting on somebody to decide whether he wants to come here or walk on at UW or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're waiting to see whether he wants to commit here or commit to a Pac-12, Pac-12 program that's in his state. So it's we're not fighting with the Weber states and the Sacramento states and the Nevadas <laughs> of the world anymore. Now we're, we are uh, returning to Pac-12 relevance. Mm-hmm. 
I appreciate that. I want to get to the uh, kids who did not commit on Wednesday. Uh, you know, there's it, always also another important point to make. Wednesday is just the first day you can send a national letter of intent. There are a number of guys who will wait a couple of weeks to make a decision because they just don't have their mind made up yet. But uh, one people we were at least expecting a uh, commitment letter from uh, Mr. Pippins. We weren't necessarily expecting a commitment letter, and that has a, a gray shirt situation. So that's a little more complex. But uh, Markel Sanders and Olito Thompson didn't send in uh, their NLIs. Um, and Olito Thompson, uh, Kyle, uh, before we started here, you mentioned – uh, how big of a fan you are of his. So, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily sting, but it leaves you wondering kind of what's going on maybe. Yeah, and I, I think there's, like like you said, the first day that you can sign your national letter of intent was yesterday morning at 7 a.m. local time for you. The last day to sign it is April 1st. Yeah. So there's a very, very big window for these kids. Um, I'm not sure if there was just something wrong with the paperwork. If mm-hmm. there was some numbers, there was, there was a new rule, not that many people knew this, uh, new rule instituted this year. So past years, you could bring in uh, up to 28 kids and fudge some numbers with gray shirts and stuff and uh, count kids towards last year's class or next year's class. Mm-hmm. This year, there's a hard 25 number. Okay. And so you can only bring in that many. Uh, but they should have been able to fudge some numbers with some kids gray shirting from last year's class that could have just added them to last year's class. So uh, Mark and I were going over and we did some kind of rough math and we should be around 19 or 20. So they should have been able to get these kids in, but I don't know if there's they're waiting on something because the NCAA is notoriously slow with stuff like this. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, sh- not sure if they were waiting on something there at the very last minute, but uh, I, I wouldn't say that this marks the end of their tenure with WSU. I just, sure. before it even starts, I, I think that, We'll wait a couple of weeks and we'll see how this unfolds. But okay. uh, not eating, yeah, not getting Thompson would, would be a blow because he was my favorite of the three running backs that we that we were supposed to sign. So. Yeah, we also signed our uh, Jamal Morrow and uh, Gerard Wick signed in their letters of intent. Both also very capable backs, but uh, you don't see one of them staying at running back, right? Yeah, I, I think Jamal Morrow is more of a uh, the wide receiver in the slot that. Uh, Looks for maybe sort of like the Ricky Galvin. Okay. Um, it's that H slot position for those who don't yeah. know, yeah. Yeah, Wicks is the, the kid that's 200 pounds, so he's more of the, the, the bigger bat. Uh, Morrow's only about 180, 5'8, 180, so okay. he's the smaller, shiftier of the two. Uh, Alito Thompson, as a junior, has 3,500 yards rushing, so. Wow. Uh, <laughs> he, set a, he set a California State record. He had 3,500 yards and I want to say like 45 touchdowns, but he was putting up mad numbers and uh it, he he was my favorite just strictly running back out of the three but i think they're all really good athletes and i would that's one thing that we've just been doing that's great just bringing in as many athletes as possible find a spot for them when mm-hmm. they get here uh so just uh, again give everybody kind of your overall thoughts on uh this 2013 class how you think uh Coach Leach and his staff did with this one. Uh, it seems, at least by the recruiting rankings, uh, maybe just a touch better than last year, but certainly um, a lot better historically than we've seen uh, at least in the past uh, uh, a number of years. Probably have to go way back. Uh, I know Craig had a post on this today. You have to go back, I believe it was seven or eight years, to find a class that was even comparable to this one. So just uh, your kind of your final thoughts on everybody that signed uh, on the dotted line yesterday and how we're looking uh, with these uh, batch of freshmen coming in. Not the most, not the sexiest class, 
because it's not it's not loaded with uh, a bunch of wide receivers or a couple of quarterbacks or some star running backs. It's it's very heavy on on the big ugly guys, the linemen. And so people aren't going to look at this class right now and think, wow, this is a really really good class. But I think in three four years they'll realize when these juniors, Richard juniors and seniors are are starting on the offensive line and keeping our quarterback upright. Um, I think they'll look back and realize that this was the catalyst to what Leach is doing here. He's kind of short the trouble from the offensive line because you can't you can bring as many quarterbacks as you want, but if they're running for their life, then it's, they're not going to be able to run the air raid offense. So uh, I think he did a very good job in sort of building a foundation for what he wants to do going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the in the next class and the one after that, he can start loading up more wide receivers and, and sort of athletic playmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one was was heavy on on the, on the big guys up front. Okay, and, and and we've talked about this in the past. This is uh, Mike Leach kind of borrowing a page yeah. from uh, John Schneider and a uh, Pete Carroll's playbook, where uh, you know you're not you're not taking a guy who is kind of good at everything. You're taking a guy who's really good at one thing, and as you've said before, worrying about the rest when he gets here. And uh, it sounds like that could really pay off here uh, in the next few years. Yeah, they're they're taking a lot of guys that are just super, super athletic, uh, whereas, and I hate to bag on Wolf constantly, but whereas Wolf would, would get guys that he would think aren't quite as developed, but very smart kids or um, under-the-radar kids, Leach is saying, you know what, I'm going to go with the best athlete, and we're going to bring as many as we can, and the cream is going to rise to the top. So um, we're going to have a lot of competition. Um, I don't think that Brugman is going to be able to, I don't think he's going to start this year, but I think it can only do good things for both Austin Apodaca and Connor Halliday mm-hmm. with just pushing guys. And same thing with the wide receivers we brought in and the running backs we brought in and the offensive linemen that we brought in. Everybody's going to push everybody out, and the best players will play regardless of how young they are or how old they are. So really like what he's doing from that perspective. I love that stuff. Kyle Rancourt, go get a little rest. You deserve it, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, we're going to be right back. I, I, I can't go even if we do two podcasts in a week. I've still got to do a Dunderhead of the Week. I got that coming up next. We'll wrap it up here on CoopCenter.com. here on the Cook Center Podcast, we wrap it up with our Dunderhead of the Week, Part 2. Freaking idiot. Yeah, see, this week was big enough we could have two Dunderheads, right? Uh, this one, this is a bit of an odd one, so I want to explain myself here. Uh, Seattle Mariners just signed Felix Hernandez to a seven-year, $175 million extension, or I've seen other reports that say five years, $135 million, but I think it was that seven-year, $175 million extension. I saw most of it. This Dunderhead of the Week does not go to Chuck Armstrong or Howard Lincoln or Jack Zarensic or anybody in charge of the Mariners. That was a brilliant thing to do. You lock down a guy who is going to the Hall of Fame and is one of the top three pitchers in Major League Baseball right now. There's nothing, nothing stupid about that. Nothing I'm complaining about. The Dunderhead of the Week goes to New York Yankee fans, and let me tell you why it goes to them. New York Yankee fans, you thought you were going to trade for Felix Hernandez all these years. You thought you were going to trade the Mariners for him. You're going to trade some players to the Mariners to get yourself the king. He will be holding court in Seattle for the next nine years now. 
Felix is ours, and you can't have him. Get over it. Oh, that felt good. Just a reminder, next week, our new segment, Ask Michael Anything. You can ask me about anything. Relationships. It's Valentine's Day next week. I got good present advice for the ladies, okay? No, well, I mean, not for the ladies to buy for your man. I mean, for the men to buy for the ladies. I don't know what women get men for Valentine's Day. I usually just get a card. Um, but it can be about anything. You can ask me anything you want. Podcast at gmail.com to submit a question. It's going to be a lot of fun. Podcast at gmail.com to submit your question. That'll do it for us next Wednesday. Another great podcast coming up right here on kookcenter.com. 